Cork are in serious trouble. In the Munster Championship, they're going to get beaten. They're going to get beaten early. And when the Cork crowd turn against them, they turn so harsh. The Football Pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. Team of us. Everyone in. Now, very able to say Jerry Thornley of the Irish Times with us. Hey, Jerry. Hey, how you doing, Joe? Great. And Fiona Hayes, you are there, I presume? I'm here, Joe. Very good. So we have France Grand Slam winners. We have Ireland second in the championship. Triple crown is a perfectly acceptable consolation prize. Irish under-20s Grand Slam champions at Musgrave Park yesterday. Italy with a win for the first time since 2015. 36 straight defeats. And then in Cardiff, of all places, they win the game in beautiful, dramatic fashion. Paolo Garbisi collapsing in a heap and Ange Capozzo, I think, suddenly a star. So we'll get to all of that, not to mention Greg McWilliams talking to the media today ahead of the Women's Six Nations at the weekend. But let's start with Ireland 26, Scotland 5. Odd performance in some respects. Jerry, here we are after another bonus point win for Ireland and we're thinking mm, could have been a bit better undoubtedly yeah it wasn't uh, it wasn't anything like the best performance of the tournament that they were looking for um, a lot of moves didn't quite come off there were a lot of handling errors that time Johnny did the really clever inside wrap as aware for variation I was surprised he didn't get the ball to James Lowe Dan Sheen's shoulder looked like that would have been a try there are a few other examples James Lowe a fairly unsympathetic pass to Ty Byrne Caelan Doris not gone so on so on and I think they kind of, they resorted to the bludgeon and went back to the bludgeon that they've used so well in the past under Joe and that four close-range time you know, to kind of overpowered Scotland at the end. Their defence was excellent. I almost had checked the scoreline at the end to make sure that Scotland really only scored five points considering the, the line breaks they made and the chances they had, most obviously the one that Stuart Hogg blew, albeit it was a truly stupendous tackle by Hugo Keenan. But you always felt that they had France in their pocket, or sorry, they had Scotland in their pockets and that they were... They probably were going to get that bonus point, and it was a, at least it was a grand finale. It was a great finish. You know what I mean? To get that fourth try, to see all the players so happy. Um, the crowd even get, got, got loud for once, even that last 10 minutes, the first time in three games, and uh, started seeing the field of Athen Bryans. It was quite, quite a great finish to it, at least. So they, they signed off on a good note and got their first trophy in home soil for 18 years. So, mm. yeah, it was an inaccurate performance, um, not quite the performance they were looking for. And you had a fourth bonus point. Um, try win so um, the, you know 21 point haul they've only better that once in six, six years of the Six Nations they, a lot of the metrics look very good they've unearthed Dan Sheen and Matt Hansen so overall it's been a very positive tournament and a positive way to fit, sign it off No rugby slot is complete at the moment without you having a little snipe at the Aviva atmosphere by the way although <laughs> you were I was thinking of you on uh, during the game especially in the first half because it was so quiet we were wondering even in studio did we have the wrong feed coming in because there was just not a sound and pre-match it was a beautiful weekend I mean the, it, God the weather's been so miserable for the last couple of months it was a beautiful uh, weather weekend in Dublin Paddy's weekend everybody's off for a couple of days and evening-ish kickoff and nice atmosphere building and first 10-15 minutes up until the first try the Sheen try Scotland are doing very very well and the atmosphere just seems to get sucked out of the whole thing and never really recovered until maybe towards the end when they were pushing for that fourth try which really didn't make any great difference anyway so it was just a slightly odd occasion Fiona in that, in that respect an odd game and I don't know maybe to an extent everybody knowing that France were probably going to win hung over the thing a little bit so it wasn't ripe with tension 
No, it definitely wasn't ripe with tension. As Jerry was saying, the errors, I, I was looking at some stats. I think they'd turnovers conceded was about 16, 15 or 16. Um, so I think that was getting the crowd a little bit on edge. It was definitely a game that you felt Ireland were on top physically, defensively really were good, physically around the, around the mall or, or picking goals was really, really strong. But that backline attack probably didn't kick in as well as we'd like to have had it. And I, and I was saying to Jerry, someone, uh, the only, when a friend of mine was at the game and near the front, did she say that the only time the crowd really got going in the first half was to wind up Finn Russell doing his, uh, his warm up? He was, he was getting good banter out of them. Jerry, on the Irish attack, we had this extraordinary November performance, and then they picked up where they left off against Wales, and things really clicked. And I don't know if since then we've seen it click in attack for any great period of any game. Well, it clicked in the second half in Paris um, pretty effectively, really. Um, that, that always felt like a title decider before the game and it felt immediately afterwards like it was the game of the tournament and a title decider and so it's transpired isn't it? with the 11 point gap between the top two and the rest um, I thought there was some really good attack in that game I think there have been patches of really good attack in the other games since um, patches, to- patches is maybe my point though because I appreciate they've yeah. scored more tries than any other team Irish team in Six Nations history with 24 history. yes so yeah. you know the metrics are phenomenal and you for, you would, you'd almost forgive them anything because when it clicks it really clicks but there was just something so sustained about the Welsh performance maybe is the better way of putting it yes I would agree with you that was the most sustained performance of the five Joe the first one um, and I, I, I guess it's partly because they're playing at such a high tempo. They generated the quickest ruck ball of any team in the competition and they're making more passes. They made over a thousand passes in five games, way, way more than the others. Even France had the least passes and kicked the longest. So it's funny how the two teams are going about it quite differently. But when you do try to play that brand of rugby, mistakes are more likely to happen, aren't they? Um, mm. There's just a, such a higher tempo and you're going to make decisions quicker and so forth and skills just have to be on point all the time. And I guess... It's a good position to be in to think that this is a team that we're all enjoying watching playing rugby. They're probably playing the most positive brand of rugby I've ever seen from an Irish team. And um, they um, and there's still so much room for improvement, having scored a record 24 tries in the tournament. So that's the other way of looking at it. I think the word from the camp, you talk to and listen to any of the players or coaches afterwards, are always saying that, look, we're not there yet. There's plenty more to come. And I think that's true. Mm. Fiona, is that your read on it, that they're trying more, uh, uh, you know, high-risk, high-reward type passes? And so they're handling errors. We're, we're going to have to get used to 15, 20 turnovers in a game from an Irish side. But, you know, we can only crib so much if they're walking away with bonus point wins all the time and they'll get better at it. Is that your read on where the attack is at the moment? Yeah, and I think the coach and staff are probably happy where they're at. I I obviously love the tempo they're playing, that uh, three-second rock, they're moving the ball about, the, the forwards and backs are interlinking. So it is, it's a high-risk type of rugby. And I suppose we had, we started with that Wales game and, you know, the, the errors were probably smaller than they have been in other games. So we expected an Irish team to get better like that. We expected us to kick on and maybe they didn't patches, as we said, but probably consistently it didn't happen. But I think it's really, really building. And I think the defence has been outstanding. So I think I think Irish people, we have a big expectation on them because we know how good the squad is. We're, we're seeing players come in, come out, and everyone is kind of stepping up to the mark. But I think if you just stand back and take an overall look at how they finished, obviously disappointed that there wasn't a grand slam. But that's not to say that that couldn't happen next year. This this French team coming to Ireland next year, and then you're going into World Cup after that. So so I, I'm happy where they're at. I just think the speed of the game, they need to get that skill set probably up 
and it's the more they train together, the more they're in camp and they are gradually going to build those connections. Mm. Uh, the general consensus, Jerry, I'm sure you're talking to people all the time, obviously over the last number of weeks, but the consensus seems to be that the public at large are willing to forgive this team a huge amount of mistakes because they're really enjoying the ambition in the rugby and they're they're seeing that it's building towards something that's potentially incredibly exciting and you know the one thing you'd say about this team now is however it goes in 15 months time for instance or however it goes over the summer they're going to have a crack at this and they're going to try and fire a few shots which you know probably towards the end of the Joe Schmidt era wasn't happening enough and therefore people are willing to make allowances for quote-unquote sloppiness you know again I was even saying in studio we may have to stop doing quote-unquote sloppy Irish play pieces because there are going to be more turnovers and it's, it's almost a mindset shift for all of us Yeah I think that's there's a large element of truth in that it's a huge mindset shift because it's a huge different way of them playing the game even if they did resort to old values they went kind of went back to mm. bludgeon some of their tries but yeah I think so um, it, it requires so much fine tuning this like they, they kept telling us it was coming and then it, then it started to deliver at the end of last year's Six Nations carried on through November and now um and it's, I think it's still good that there's more room for growth in this team. And I think they will get better. And hopefully those turnover counts and handing errors will be reduced and they'll become even more accurate when they... But it, like, if when you think about it, they scored 24 tries and made a hat load of handing errors, okay? Mm. They're asking questions of the defence. And in a way that I don't think any other team in the Six Nations is doing. I mean, you could argue say at the moment that New Zealand, France and Ireland are playing the best rugby in the world. And I know South Africa are number one in the world and they're followed by the other three. But they... They certainly seem to be playing the best rugby in Europe at the moment in terms of their attacking game. And you look even when they do click and they get it right early on, like when you know you have tight firing going up with the three-man pod and you can tip it in, tip it on, carry it or pull it out the back. And it, we've got loads of forwards who can do this. The skill set across from 1 to 15. You've got forwards who can pl- be playmakers, like in the middle of the pitch, like centre. And then you've got backs who are very good at the breakdown and can chip in with that workload as well. And it's a very kind of, kind of total brand of rugby it requires huge work rate off the ball. I think that's the key. And um, I don't see any other team playing with as no. much work rate off the ball and generating as many options in attack. No. So that, I think that's, you know, like I keep saying, I think that's really encouraging. The asset test will come, I presume, with the New Zealand tour. You know what I mean? When you think about the All Blacks and they'd be thirsting for revenge after what happened in the Eagles Stadium last November. Three tests at home um, against Ireland. And Ireland taking on two more matches against the Marys maybe twice or the Marys and the Super Rugby team and taking over 40 players like this is just an invaluable tour they're going to learn so much from this about their depth chart and about other players and it's going to teach them an awful lot and you'd only you only improve by playing the best and the best still are to all intents and purposes the All Blacks in their own country in Eden Park Fortress where they haven't lost in decades so I think they'll they'll benefit hugely from this tour and then you've got the Six Nations next year when you've got England and France coming at home and you know that's worth targeting in itself. We've seen how France have targeted this Six Nations. Okay, they want to target this Six Nations, but they wanted to be they wanted a title before they hosted their World Cup, and that's why last Saturday night was huge for them because they coped to a degree with the pressure of expectations of delivering a title, effectively a knock match in their own Stade de France in front of eighty thousand very passionate fans, and with a lot of the country watching and in love with this French team again. Mm-hmm. So I think that. They've been the prime beneficiaries maybe in that sense, but I do think there's a chance for Ireland with France and England at home next year to really go after a title as well. Yeah, it's all very interesting at the moment. And there is something almost un-Irish about what this Irish rugby team are doing, Fiona. If you take sport here generally, be it GAA, be it the Irish football team, be it the rugby team over the last number of years, 
whatever it is in our culture and our makeup, we tend to prize hard work, honesty of effort, uh, teamwork, all of these things, and 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 um, uh, efficiency over being free scoring and wasteful. And and now suddenly we're a team that can be a touch wasteful or have these handling errors but we're also we're suddenly putting big scores on teams all the time now and again we're not we're not used to it it's not generally been the way Irish sport has went about its business on the international stage no but it's how exciting is it to oh, watch it's great I mean, it's 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 nice for a change I think oh it's it's so good it's you know like I, I've spent years watching super rugby and I and I've watched the leagues over here and I, I'd be just wondering why can't why can't Munster give that a go or why can't we try this out but I think there's like the style in which rugby's been played now and the speed at which it's going I think Ireland have really adapted to that and they found we had Joe Schmidt who was obviously an expert and was very detailed especially around that breakdown area but we see this Irish team trying things and it and it's exciting and as you said Joe the the public in general aren't too mad about about it. You obviously have your, your few on Twitter and whatever given out about we'll be knocked out in a quarter final again. But but I think it's building and, and every game there's there's players that are standing up and stepping up to the mark. And I think that's what's really exciting about it is that we're looking at different players in every game saying, geez, he had a great game or or he's come on loads and especially with this this six nations. I mean Hugo Keenan is someone that has just absolutely mm-hmm. been out of the blocks, not to mention Van der Fleer. And we might well be still knocked out in the quarterfinal, but at least we're going to test defences and score some tries along the way and die with boots on kind of approach. Just on, on some of the players worth uh, mentioning, uh, Dan Sheehan, uh, man of the match, I, his, I, you're, I'm double checking his try record because it just seems too good to be true. I think he's up to 15, Jerry, reading your piece this morning for Leinster in Ireland across 27 matches. So that's rather insane. And all the carries and tackles to boot and he's so athletic. Fiona, in, in terms of the, the, the duel with Kelleher over the coming decade, I did just talk to a few different people, get the sense that maybe if there is a quote-unquote weakness in Sheehan, it might be a scrummaging, that he's still quite high. He's a big man, big man in the scrum. Uh, have you seen anything there to be overly worried about or is it, is it early days yet? Oh, it's early days yet. I mean, he, 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 we're talking about Keller and Sheehan and he's really after giving, giving Andy Farrell food for thought. He's he's just come on the pitch so composed. That man of the match, I, I watched him up in the stands and the work rate he has, absolutely immense. When he gathers pace, he's just a serious ball carrier. Look, the scrum obviously didn't go right against England and and that Wales match in particular, you know, we're very proud of our scrum and, and after Keller's injuries. But I think that was just across the park. I, I personally even when I'm watching with Leinster I don't see an issue with height and the more games he gets those, if he gets some game time over in, in New Zealand playing against that pack and that scrum house he's constantly going to be working with it and working with those guys around him so so it's not even an issue to me I think it's going to be an absolute crazy battle and it, it's definitely one Leinster are going to have to look at as well who, who's going to who's going to be getting that starting spot Yeah On the scrum Jerry this was a bit of a litmus test after Twickenham I, certainly it more than held its own for much of the game when it was Kilcoyne Herring and Bealham towards the end there was a wobble so I guess that comes back to your point about depth last week Yeah I think that reaffirms it doesn't it um, it was rock solid from the start um, we had the bizarre sound of um, Wayne Barnes on Mike to St. Keeney good scrum game <laughs> never heard a referee say that to a problem before but um, they, it, it was rock solid to begin with and Keeney had a good match and it was that was like they've definitely got feedback from World Rugby and Magic now that Several of those squeal penalties, maybe all three of them, should not have been given to England. So, it you know you saw what happened to the English scrum in Paris. That didn't happen to the Irish scrum. I think I think 
it was an aberration to some degree what happened in Twickenham. And I'm not saying you know, the, some of the penalties in the second half they did seem to get a shunt on, but yeah, there is you know an international coach can't go out and sign props. You know what I mean? That's I, I, I don't know, I don't know what the solution here is to improve the depth chart, but I would would have thought must be worth having a look again at Marty Moore. Like whenever he starts for Ulster, they're just a better team. They've got a better scrum and. He's played 10 times for Ireland in 2014 and 15 and he's never present in two Six Nations campaigns, albeit all 10 appearances off the bench. And he, we won back-to-back titles, so sorry, Ireland did. So I, I don't know, it's, it's an issue because you just, you know, the head coach can't go out and sign props, unfortunately. No, for sure. And Jerry, just a word on Scotland. Their under-20s lost very badly at Musgrave Park and that's Scotland at that level. Zero wins in 10. And then the senior side once again flatter to deceive and I suppose what's indicative of a questionable culture is that six players, lots of them senior players, go out against orders on Saturday or Sunday after the game in Rome. And uh, it seems the word is there's a, a phone call or a text from Gregor Townsend saying, get back. We don't know if everybody get back came back or what happened. Certainly Finn Russell was dropped. And again, it's, it's damning in a sense that we couldn't say for sure if, he, if Finn Russell has been dropped for disciplinary or performative reasons because his performances haven't been good. And uh, they pitch up and, and uh, do their thing in Dublin. So there's something just off in Scottish rugby and there was optimism there, I think, a couple of years ago, which is very much dissipated now. Maybe too much optimism and not, not enough humility. If you look at Scottish records since 2000, since the advent of Six Nations, they've won one Pro 12 title. And yet they seem to think they should be beating Ireland every time they step in the pitch, as if almost by some kind of divine right. And look at all the trophies that Irish, Irish rugby has won in that time, be it Pro 12, Heineken Cups, the Challenge Cup, Six Nations titles. Um, I just think they could be a bit more humble at times and a bit more realistic about themselves. I think they get, get a bit carried away when they win a game, big game like they beat England in the opening match. It's hard to believe where they went from there. Um, they weren't brilliant against England and that was one of England's poorer performances of the tournament. Mario Toje hadn't hit the ground running at all and so forth and all the all the talk of Marcus Smith being taken off, that probably wasn't the reason why they, England lost that game and Scotland won it. But to get back to your point about the Scots, it's like Finn Russell's 31 and I think Stuart Hogg is 28 or 29. They're not going to be around forevermore and they, they are the two finest Scottish backs I've seen in the professional era. Finn Russell, when he's on his game, is a joy to watch. You saw what he did in that Lions third test when he came off the bench. I've never seen one player transform a match. And even when he came on against Ireland, he was such a vast Blair Kinghorn. One time he took the ball to the line, disguised to pass out the back and just slipped a short ball to Mark Bennett. Even a brilliant defender like Gary Ringrose was completely exposed and Bennett went through the gap. If, he, if he'd been on his game and he'd, and he'd been starting and didn't have these issues, they would have been far more dangerous, there's no doubt about it. Does it surprise you that the worst disciplinary record in the tournament, the Casino 61 penalties in their five games? Like you see the penalties are winners gave for charging into um, their opposite numbers for high kicks before the ball comes down. Like they're just so avoidable. Um, and uh, yeah, they need to, I think they need to have a little bit of a look at themselves. Really? Mm-hmm. So France did their thing against England and did it brilliantly and they are just such a force over the, now well in the build up to the World Cup and then beyond. This could be their decade with this team. If we had an iconic moment though from the weekend and the moment which will linger for years and maybe decades to come, it probably is Paolo Garbisi kicking the penalty and collapsing in a heap, completely overcome Fiona with emotion and, you know, the pylon and, you know, moments earlier, Ange Capuozzo just goes in the most extraordinary run, all 70 kilos of him. And it's, you know, it's just so thrilling. And then has the presence of mind to set up Padovani inside him and, 
who can believe it after 36 matches and no I like despite what people had said no great signs I think of massively improving in any great way across this uh, tournament to win away from home in Cardiff uh, utterly unbelievable yeah, it's it's it was just whoever done that Ness and Dorma music to the to the actual try is genius because it it was just I, I watched it over and over again to see such Italian joy when they finished and when he got that ball over to win by one point. It's it, I suppose there's been a lot of pressure on them, Joe. There's been a lot of talk about South Africa and in the midst of this Six Nations coming in and them maybe not being kicked out of the tournament. So like they've been constantly I think Crowley has been building something with them. I've seen them at times and games you know I'm a big fan of Garbisi I think he offers a lot he's a big 10 but but he's extremely skillful so I've seen patches and I think they've started most games really really well it was almost like they faded but in watching this Welsh game I just felt like they were hanging on in there and they were and the, and the longer they held on in that match you know you could see their confidence start building they were trying things normally they're throwing passes away I think they tightened up a little bit more than we're used to from an Italian team so it was just brilliant to watch and to see that and Josh Adams give uh, Capuzzo he's man of the match medal after the game it, it just shows what rugby's about you know he was, he was crying and it was it was probably one of the biggest moments in the tournament even though obviously we have France with a grand slam but it's it's definitely the videos I was watching I love seeing that kind of stuff and they've they've been under so much pressure and there, a lot has talked about them as a team and to just come out and beat Wales and Cardiff is massive yeah, it was a magical few moments. And Capozzo, it turns out Jerry's going to Toulouse and it's very highly rated, currently playing at Grenoble in at uh, Pro D2. But last weekend when he came off the bench and I you know, I hadn't seen him, I think a lot of people hadn't seen him before then, it was even interesting in studio and version, the lads were saying, well, well he's 70 kgs, he looks about 15. This is almost like a player welfare issue. He shouldn't be out there. And then, you know, like, this is where Italian rugby is. This is, this is a sad moment. Like, the poor kid, is he going to be okay? And then he scores two tries and you think, okay, well, he's going to be just fine. But then that is an iconic run in Cardiff. That is a run when you're making montages in years to come, uh, TV producers of Six Nations moments. That will be there for a very, very long time. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. It was the moment of the tournament. It was definitely the try of the tournament, given the circumstances and also just the the brilliant run that Capozzo made to, like he basically set, when he got the ball, he was about 60 metres, 65 metres from the Welsh try line and he had 15 Welsh players in front of him. Now Sam Warburton highlighted the very poor kick chase by Wales in the last minute that left Toby Falatel a little bit exposed on the edge, but for him to change his feet, leave four players for dead and then go around Falatel, break Adam's tackle and the way he just stood up and did Kieran Harvey like a kipper and then to have presence of mind to make the pass inside to Padovani. Yeah, he looks like he, he should be playing in Serie A, not not in none of the nations, <laughs> yeah. but what a superstar he could be. 22 years of age, apparently he's been tearing it up in Grenoble, um, and now he's going off to Toulouse, and as Jonathan Davies said in commentary, Toulouse don't buy duds, and this kid looks like he could be very special, and it's great for Italian rugby, because I'm talking to a couple of my Italian colleagues during the tournament, you know, when there was all this talk of let's do it scrap Italy and maybe get South Africa in, you know my feelings on that one, Joe, mm-hmm. but oh, we should abandon our fellow Europeans here, and we should keep them in the tournament. And you couldn't but share their joy, you know. There'd been huge cheers all over. We were bark, very were bark. Well, as I say, just really thoroughly loved that moment. And um, he is a superstar. He's got blinding footwork, absolutely, really quick. And it's just great that they had somebody else as well as Garbisi as a foil. And remember too that they their under twenties have won three out of five matches. They've just had their best under twenty tournament ever. 
So hopefully this is a sign of them being on an upward graph because we all want them to be competitive. Yes, absolutely. Uh, England, meanwhile, uh, lost obviously in Paris, uh, finished third. Uh, Eddie Jones has been given uh, full backing by the RFU over the last 24 hours that he'll be very much taking them to the World Cup. So two wins, England third after their fifth place finish last year. And uh, before you write them off totally, they were fifth in 2018 and did okay in 19. So that, that thought is there, but it's been a very average showing from England once again this season. So a final word on this year's championship from Ichia then. Uh, Fiona, sum things up, obviously, from an Irish point of view, very promising. The tournament as a whole? tournament as a whole I really enjoyed it I thought there was a lot of competitive games and we, we it polished off by Italia Wales at the end so I think what this tournament really saw was all these teams are, are building and building towards a World Cup Yeah well I, I was about to say just two teams reasonably happy given France and Ireland Jerry, but I think we can throw in the Italians now after after the weekend so uh, three teams reasonably happy and then the others with some soul searching to do Time. I mean, I know England have a few their in, a few injuries, particularly in their back line, but it was a good tournament for Owen Farrell and others to miss in hindsight, wasn't it? Mm. So they would have been to blame as well, I suppose. I think I think Eddie Jones has lost his way, frankly. I think that he's pulling the wool over people's eyes with this new England. I didn't see any signs of it at all. They've got four tries in their four games outside of Rome. Um, they, I, it's, I think it's good news for everybody else that, it, that he does stay in charge of the next World Cup. Um, his talk of the World Cup is tiresome. Um, Wales and Scotland, like, Okay, so this sums up the Six Nations. A week ago, Wales came within one drop pass by Jonathan Davies of potentially beating the, the ultimate Grand Slam champions and a week later lost at home to Italy. That is the Six Nations. And I think it was a really good tournament in that respect and a great finale. Um, it's a tournament worth winning in its own right. Like France, yes, they want, they're deserving Grand Slam champions. They have a great side um, and they um, wanted that trophy as kind of valediction for their tilt at a World Cup and home soil. But they treated it very much as a tournament in itself. They didn't treat it as a dry run of the World Cup. They used the least amount of players. They made the fewest changes. And the team that started against England was all bar one, the exact same team that beat the All Blacks last November. The only change being that Julian Marshall was injured then, probably the best hooker in Europe, and he's back now. And they've got a great generation of players, but they wanted to win that tournament in its own right. And you see, when you have 80,000 people sitting in the Marseillaise without any musical accompaniment before the kickoff and several renditions of it during the game. You see the celebrations at the end for winning the Grand Slam and winning the Six Nations title and how much it meant to Ireland to win the Triple Crown and finish off the way they did and how much it meant to Italy. Just shows you how much this matters. But yeah, Wales and Scotland, you look at their results, Wales have gone back since last year, um, Scotland, and then you look at their under-20 results in the form of the Welsh regions in Europe, um, Keepers, you know, Irish rugby is doing a lot very well when you look at our under-20s. But it could have been three grand slams in the last four campaigns, but for the pandemic, um, a lot of people are doing a lot of very good things very well in this country in Irish rugby. No doubt about it. Yeah, they sure are. I don't know if you catch the under-20s yesterday, Fiona, but they were at Musgrave Park. Capacity crowd sold out. Richie Murphy in as coach, and they absolutely destroyed Scotland. I mean, it was a complete party atmosphere for the last, well, for the second half, really. Everybody off the bench. And as Jerry says... I'm sure there are issues in Irish rugby, but there is an awful lot going right. 
Oh, there's so much going right. I actually didn't get. I love Musgrave Park. I, I would always attend those 20s games, but I was up at the Energia Cups up in Dublin, so I missed them, but I, I rewatched the game. And I mean, the standard of rugby that Richie Murphy's playing, and you can see the, the kicking these guys are doing is, is, is just on the money as well. I, 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 I was blown away throughout the whole tournament with, and uh, even Postal weight yesterday. Their centers, their lines are running. Everything seemed to be, to be clicking after that France game. You kind of felt like this was definitely going to be another Grand Slam year and and Ruben Crowder is the captain as well there's just so much it's a great conveyor belt and a lot of it is it's all provinces they're coming from Connacht they're coming from Ulster Munster and Leinster so all these academies are definitely definitely doing great work Yeah it's very positive Anyone catch your eye Jerry, across the 20s did you see much of it? I did yeah I did um, obviously Jerry uh, Hector deserves huge credit for that nerveless touchline conversion win in France it was a huge moment you see Axel King's second finish <laughs> before? Jeepers, what a try, what a finish. Yeah. Like TJ Perinara in the World Cup, brilliant try. Um, yeah, loads of good players. It's really encouraging, lots of forwards. Again, a bit like the senior team. They're, they mightn't they're not, might be as big as some of the English or the French forwards or whatever else, but again, like the senior team, they're all good carriers. They've all got good footwork. They've all got skills. Not a huge amount was expected of this team. They've gone and won a Grand Slam. It's uh, And like I said, they... But for the pandemic, it could have been three Grand Slams in four years. Wow, it's incredible. It's great to see. And it, it is coming through. Yeah, it is interesting because they lost a warm-up game in December to Italy. And there was a great quote from Richie Murphy in the build to the game where he said, in one of our early training sessions, we'd about 25 handling errors in 15 minutes. And I, we walked off, I was pulling my hair out. So they really have turned it around and they've won in different styles you know hung on and snatched a win in France and been very dominant in other games so congratulations to all involved it is amazing uh, somebody who in fairness had a bit of size Devin Toner we should really mention him uh, 36 in June he's calling it a day the stats uh, Jerry. this guy's career is just off the charts really when you see the numbers written down 16 years at Leinster so he's the record appearance holder at 276 and counting 70 camps for Ireland 3 Six Nations including a Grand Slam 4 Heineken Cups and really I would say there was probably a period in his career where uh, the powers that be weren't so sure. Yeah, yeah. And maybe his longevity is in part due to the fact that he was a late bloomer and, you know, didn't crack the Irish team that early on. But then he, what was it? I think he was the player most used by Joe Schmidt in his time coach, certainly until the 2019. And how many guys are good passes of Irish rugby over the last decade emanated from Big Dev catching a line-out or catching a restart or just claiming the ball high in the air. He's just... He, I remember one Italian journalist come up to me after we Ireland had beaten Italy in Rome and he said, you know, I think Devon Toner is your most important player. And we just kind of, we just took it like, he was so freakishly tall. It was just, you know, we took it for granted that he did all, has such great aerial skills and there was more to his game than that as well. So, yeah, one of, one of the great careers, Joe. No doubt about it. Absolutely. Uh, Greg McWilliams was before the media this afternoon at Abbottstown. This is ahead of the Women's Six Nations starting on Saturday. Ireland play Wales at the RDS. So a uh, couple of things out of it. Nothing overly dramatic. Uh, Nicola Friday announced as captain. Nine uncapped players in the squad, of course. So she's the new captain. Second row, 26 years of age, 22 caps under her belt. She's been there since 2016 and is obviously thrilled with the honour. And apparently it was announced to the squad uh, via Zoom, but her family were on as well. So, you know, she's um, really looking forward to that, as you might imagine. I suppose, Fiona, what, what jumped out is that it seems McWilliams, when he took the job asked for assurances about having a full deck of players to choose from. He said, yeah, yeah, I was given those, assur- those assurances. Uh, but he says, I'm being, I'm, I'm being true to myself and this is a World Cup Sevens year. Uh, in effect, I think he said, yeah, I got assurances, 
but then conceded actually he won't have a full deck to choose from across the championship because there is uh, certainly for the last game which is on in Belfast against Scotland that clashes with the Canadian leg of sevens uh, of the seven series so if you take the Japan game as an example the 15 side then were without Bevin Parsons Stacey Flood Amy Lee Murphy Crow and Eve Higgins for that final game so it seems like it'll be a bit of a juggling act for McWilliams on the sevens front again he said today uh, we've talked as a group about this we allowed the players to have a say in how selection is carried out we're all very comfortable with that we have the sevens team and we think it's important that as many as possible go to Langford and represent the women for the World Series because it is a World Cup year I'm telling you now that we're going to have a World Cup for the 15s and we need to play ball with the sevens we need to work together and he mentioned Aidan McNulty the sevens coach and said they're very aligned in how they uh, see things so it seems like whatever about the last game he should have a full deck otherwise this is like you know the uh, you, the men's we couldn't even contemplate a situation like this but this is where the women's game in Ireland is at the moment they are trying to serve two masters I suppose yeah and and as far as I know I think uh, like, and I could be wrong I think the, the sevens players are around for three of those games and will uh, will miss two yeah, of the games okay. um, So and he's probably known this so he's he's planning this uh, coming into it no better coach than Greg McWilliams to keep everyone aligned so he, his personality would be exceptional in camp to deal with those issues and get players on board and and get everyone buying into his system and he, he's really really good at that and, and his personality is kind of one that you want to play from you want to buy into whatever he's telling you so I, I would imagine he's gone in he's explained everything from the start and, and I'm sure he has to make those selection calls as well the, the big thing for me and, and, and I'd love to see is you know at 10 are, are you going to stick with Stacey Floyd for maybe three games and um, she's been outstanding and then you have to throw someone in at 10 one of the hardest out half one of the hardest positions play for the last two games so I'm really intrigued to see what they're going to do with these sevens players and how they're going to be integrated into the team Yeah I mean England and France are ahead of the rest by a considerable mm. distance. Ireland lost yep. to Scotland in Parma, which was obviously a big disappointment. And then, you know, even this Wales game is interesting in that if you take last year at the start of the Six Nations, Ireland beat Wales, I think, 45 nil. And in the meantime, there are now 12 fully contracted uh, Welsh players and 12 semi-professional contracted players. So what difference is that going to make? I mean, that, that, that's going to be really fascinating to see. What, what for you, Fiona, is a good Six Nations for Ireland? For me, a good Six Nations right now would be winning home games. I think I think they have the ability to do that to win the three the three home games. France, England away. I'm not saying I'm not going to be completely negative and say not a, not a, not a hope. But I think if they look at maybe beating Italy, beating I think they have the capabilities of the squad. Is there? He's come in. There was a lot of underlying issues going on in the background. That's all kind of seems to be ironed out. You've players now who want to play, who want to be there. They know they they know they've performed probably not to the standard they have in the past so so they will go into this Wales game and it's going to be absolutely massive for Wales as well they're, they're heading to World Cup so they've got these players a lot of their players have moved to Bristol Bears and are playing in that Premiership week in week out so we will see the standard if it has lifted from maybe the Wales that we saw two years ago Yeah Jerry. just from an IRFU point of view I'd say they have you know, uh, fingers crossed and everything else, just praying that the ship is steadied because uh, last year was a real nadir and it brought subsequent criticism and they kind of need things to settle down a touch and performances to follow. Yeah, big time, don't they? That was just was an unimaginably bad year 
for Irish women's rugby and so much off the pitch and on the pitch. Just, um, yeah, and at, at least there's, there seems to be much more alignment now. Kevin Potts come in and taking real ownership of this part of the, the RFU's um, ambush on these. Just, it just looks like if they could get, I agree with Fiona, if they could just get a nice steady campaign, get three home wins. I think it's fallen nicely for them that the Scots are first up at home in the RDS because Wales. they won, should never have lost that game. And, you know, maybe it's no harm that, I don't know what Fiona thinks that it's, I think it's better for the women's tournament that it's a separate window of its own alone event. And I think yeah. it's no that the home matches are moved around three different yeah. events as well. So they could get three home wins, have a nice steady campaign. I think everybody in the IRFU would breathe a huge collective sigh of relief. Yeah, I suspect they would. Our rugby coverage here and off the ball is with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Jerry Thornley of the Irish Times, thanks so much. Fiona Hayes, great to have you on as well. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Joe. Joe. Pleasure as always. Rugby off, off the ball with Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. Team of us, everyone in.